right, it's Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan. You know what that means. Our 7 a.m. spot will be Charles Davis. This is a bit of a sad Rihanna song coming in. I'm hoping that that's not setting the mood for the answer that we're going to get from Charles. He's on next week. But we're going to play some Riri throughout the day because she's going to be... She said she's been really, really practicing extremely hard for this because it's been a while she's been on tour. She had a baby. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. With ASAP Rocky? Yeah. Some of the prop bets was if you will see the baby at the Super Bowl and if she will announce the name of the baby. Well, she hasn't oh, we don't publicly know the said name that. Of the baby. You can bet on that stuff. It's weird, but... The name of the baby? I haven't on? personally put that in our prop bet sheet, which you can find online on our Twitter accounts, and you can play along with us. We got to get Charles Davis one of those, I think. The prop bet sheet? Yeah. I don't know if you can do that. Let's ask him. Our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. In the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst and BFF of the show. How's it going this morning, Charles? Going great. How are you guys doing today? Happy Super Bowl week. Exactly. Happy Super Bowl week. We've been a little distracted because it's been the NBA trade deadline here and the the rumors yeah. are swir- circling and swirling and yet here we are with not much to report on on a Friday morning from the Raptors. But we are excited to turn the page and look at the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that because it's, uh, it's something with a lot of intrigue that we have really not spent too much time. I've been waiting for you. For Friday morning with Charles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's face it. The Brooklyn Nets are extremely excited that you've turned the page and are talking about something else as we watch a grand implosion of a super team that accomplished nothing and now has really nothing to show for it. Oh. Unbelievable. I, I don't know. All of them all of them elsewhere. I might take know? the Brooklyn Nets reality over the Raptors right now, if I'm being honest, because it clearly didn't work with Durant and Irving, but at least they were able to recoup some assets and not stick with what's not working. But uh, that's a conversation uh, for, you know, you for know, a different time. You know, you make a good point. You make a good point there, Justin. I was looking at it more in terms of the overall, if you're going to put together a super team, what's your payoff? You know, and their payoff turned out to be zip. You know, and right out of the gate, but you're exactly right. They didn't get the titles. They've recouped it with the draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. Now they've got to put all that together and, and build from there. And and you're right. That gives them hope for the future. But the truth of the matter is when you brought together Kyrie Irving, <laughs> James Harden, Kevin Durant, I don't think anyone from Jay-Z on down thought zero rings would be a, would be the end result. Well, you you said super team there, so we'll transition to the NFL, and I'll ask you, are the Philadelphia Eagles pretty close to a super team themselves? They've got the potential to be. I mean, when you look at it, and they're trying their best to, you know, hey, job's not done, and, and that's true. I mean, nothing matters until you hit the ultimate prize, right? And And how many times do we look at it when we get to this time of year, and there's always a list that comes out. The greatest teams to never win a Super Bowl. You know, and you look back and go, God, that team was really good. We forgot about them because we remember the winners. So Philadelphia has to win it. But I think that they look at it in, in terms of Eagles lore. And I know there's a recency bias because it's happening right now. But it's hard to say that there's been a better team that's ever played in Philadelphia. So if we got, if they cap it off, if they cap it off, there won't be any discussion mm-hmm. about that. I don't think mm-hmm. because of the number of games they've won. Obviously, the season's longer, but how they've won, won them, how dominant they've been in so many ball games. So, yeah, it's out there. They've got a chance to be that super team. Kansas City, it, it, they've scored the same number of points this year as Philadelphia, but there would be a different view and different look at Kansas City 
because I don't know that they'll be looked at as a super team as much as Patrick Mahomes' superpowers just continue to get bigger and bigger because of what was lost last year. Did he came back and had maybe his best year as a pro? You know, you lose a Tyreek Hill and you lose all the receivers and, you know, you retool from there and they give him control of the ball club in the offseason and say, hey, get these new guys up to speed. And he's watching Justin Watson run routes with him in Texas and he's calling, you know, he's texting Brett Beach, the GM, and saying, this guy can roll. Um, how come we haven't signed him yet? And they end up signing him and he, you know, plays a key role in punt returns. So you just go right down the line. Again, I don't know that they'll be called a super team. But I think they'll be called one of those teams like, are you kidding me? This Mahomes? We knew he was good. But the mark of real greatness is bringing along the others. And he's certainly done that this year. So would you rather or do you feel more confident with a team that has the better quarterback or the team that is the better team heading into the Super Bowl? Hey, listen, I'm always more confident with the team with the better defense if everything else is, is, is somewhat equal. And I think history's kind of borne that out, whether it's the college game or the NFL game. When you have the number one offense against the number one defense, you know, those types of matchups, top five offense, top five defense, if everything else is kind of equaled out and in these two teams it, it pretty much is, I take defense every time. You know, Seattle, you know, against Denver, remember that one in the Super Bowl, and that got out of hand in a hurry. You know, you, you just you just go back and look through history. I think out of the last, well, I think in the playoffs, the number one defense, number one offensive played, and is 20 to 13 in terms of defense. And as great as Mahomes is, and, you know, I, I can't help it. I just, I just love watching him play. I don't think that makes me unusual by any stretch. When I look at what's out there and what he's going to go against in this one, I don't know that they totally shut him down. And now Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, but he was getting clobbered all the time. Will their offensive line hold up a little bit better? All those things have to be answered. But Philadelphia, explosive, explosive, explosive on offense themselves and their defense, (laughs) most sacks in the league by far. It's so funny. Philadelphia has 70, 78 sacks on the year. Kansas City's second in sacks when when you count the playoffs. Philadelphia has 15 more. It's the biggest gap between one and two, I think, in, since they started recording sacks. And that's just what Philadelphia brings to the table. So looking at how these two teams are set up and led by their quarterbacks, Justin and I pondered this question for a few days. Uh-huh. Is Which quarterback has the most on the line? Is it Mahomes, who's already in the process of writing this legacy and has been compared to Tom Brady over the last couple of weeks and might be like the changing yeah. of the guard? Or is it Jalen Hurts, who has an opportunity to prove that he is the guy that a lot of people had expectations for and is going to be in the moment to maybe be able to put that claim on Sunday, it, do you view it uh, as as that different between the two of them? Is there someone that has the most to gain at the same time, the most to lose? It's a good question. I really like that one. I, I would say that Mahomes has the most to gain in this one, and and the reason being all the things you stated: who he's chasing down, his place in history. If you know, they've been to what five straight AFC Championship games, seven straight AFC West titles. Um, this will be their third Super Bowl in four years. But if he only, but if he loses this one, the conversation shifts to, well, you know, as great as these quarterbacks are, our team, the team waste having Mahomes because he only has one title, and it seems crazy, right? But think about what we would have said about Aaron Rodgers and his career—one Super Bowl title. 
Drew Brees, phenomenal career. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and deservedly so. But you look back at all those years, and sometimes there, there will be that conversation. Just one Super Bowl title. You know, those types of things start to kick in on you. And, and that's what Mahomes is, is, is seeking to avoid. Hurts in a lot of ways, even though he probably shouldn't have this tag, he's still seen as an underdog. Second-round pick, supposed to, supposed to just be backing up Carson Wentz. Can you believe, can you believe that's what it was when, when the draft happened? He's supposed to be a backup. He's supposed to be an insurance policy. Because that year before, Carson Wentz got hurt in the playoffs and they had to play McCown, who was 832 years old, and he was horrible in that game. And so they said, we've got to have someone there just in case because Wentz does have that propensity for getting hurt. I don't think anyone really saw him as taking over. They thought Wentz would handle it, be their guy. Nope, didn't happen. He takes over, he goes. So he's still carrying that, that underdog tag, and it's his first Super Bowl. I don't think he has as much on the line as, as Mahomes does because Mahomes is a central figure of Kansas City. If we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, tangible items lost or on the line, I think Jalen Hurts does have a lot at stake here. Clearly, if he wins a Super Bowl, he's going to put himself in a position where he can make the sort of Mahomes money or not quite, but at least be in that tax yeah. bracket as well. And, and I think that's one of the key storylines here is, you know, okay, Mahomes is that established quarterback making all the money and Jalen Hurts has the team because he's not making the money. And I wonder how, as a football fan, you view you know, the cost of winning that the Chiefs have had to endure. Like, it, do, you, do you wish for a different world where Patrick Mahomes can keep his weapons, can keep a super team together, and actually have, you know, the Chiefs that we, you know, have enjoyed for these last few years with all the weapons at his disposal? Or is, like, that just how the NFL has to function or we'll get to a position where we just don't have uh, the parity that would, you know, that you'd want in the NFL in a league that's obviously sort of running things in, in the professional sports landscape? You know, Justin, I think that we've got a couple of examples around us. Let's start with one in the past, Tom Brady in New England. How many times was the story written that Tom Brady did not take as much money as he could have in order to try and help his team and try and, you know, give them the opportunity to sign other people. And it wasn't always necessarily a weapon, quote-unquote, for him. It might have been someone on the defensive side of the ball. It might have been someone in another area that's going to make them great and give them a chance to be terrific. Because outside of Randy Moss showing up, how many times did we talk about the same thing with Tom Brady? He has almost no receivers. How is he making this thing happen, right? You know, oh, there's Chris Hogan straight from the lacrosse field. You know, and, and he's out there doing a great thing. And between him and Brady, that's phenomenal. Jordan Edelman was a college quarterback that developed into a guy. Amendola, okay, and and and, and um, who's the other one? Um, oh God, I can see him now. Eighty-three. God, he's coaching Welker? now for San Francisco. And we Wes have Wes Welker. Welker. Both, neither one of them were drafted players. You know, and Brady helped make them great, and they they developed and blossomed, et cetera, et cetera. But there was always that talk that Tom Brady left money on the table in order to help his team, all right? Terrific. Joe Burrow coming up with Cincinnati. What's the conversation now? He's about to break the bank, right? And there's a huge conversation that he wants to structure a contract that allows him to try to try their best to keep their weapons, meaning T. Higgins, obviously meaning Jamar Chase down the road. Mahomes took the money, and big money, but also they structured it in a way that they could keep a whole lot of people or sign other people. Were they able to keep Ty- Tyreek Hill? No, Tyreek Hill wanted flat out to be paid a certain amount, and the Chiefs could go to a certain level. 
But that was it. And the levels, you know, for, for the common person like us, that level's really good. But he wanted to, you know, a lot of people, I, I want to be at the top. I want this kind of money. Miami was able to do that. They turned it into other things. Plus, they had the trust that Mahomes would be like a Brady and make people around him better. But look at who they signed anyway or kept. They got offensive tackle Orlando Brown, right? They were able to pick up some other running backs. They went out and got a bunch of receivers like a Juju Smith-Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. And you just keep going right down the line. So a lot of that with their team, because the year before, they were able to keep Tyron Matthew. They were able to keep other people because that contract was structured in a way that money was still there. He didn't take all of it and go, all right, go ahead. I got it all, and we have no team around me. He was conscious of it. His people were conscious of it. And you see how Kansas City's rolling. Tyreek Hill could easily still be in Kansas City for really good money. But he wanted to be at the absolute top. Mm. And Kansas City's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do, we're going to do, put it in elsewhere. And by the way, <laughs> who, who's sitting there smiling right now? Kansas City or Tyreek Hill in Miami? Oh, there's probably big smiles on both their faces given yeah, how much Tyreek Hill's making. But, uh, yeah, Kansas City finding a way. And, really, that's yeah. one of the secrets to Tom Brady's success, right? That just take a little bit less to keep that team really, really, uh, really, really competitive, investing in your future. And now he can make $400 million on TV. So it worked out pretty well uh, for old Tom. Well, we're talking to Charles Davis, yeah. who's calling the game for NFL Films, Films International. Um, two black QBs for the first time ever meeting in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Charles, what does that mean to you? I'm, I'm supposed to, in 2023, say it's, 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 you know, it's not as huge a deal. We shouldn't, this shouldn't be something we're supposed to talk about, et cetera. But they didn't grow up with a father who was a college quarterback in the state of West Virginia and couldn't go play at the University of West Virginia because they weren't going to take a college quarterback in the late 1950s who was black. He had to go to an HBCU to play. You know, I've read and heard the history and seen it. And yes, we are better off than we've ever been before. But I know as a black person, I was a high school quarterback, wanted to be a college quarterback, wasn't one, but it wasn't because I was black that I got switched. I got switched because other people were better than me. But I saw other people lose that opportunity simply for that reason. We weren't supposed to play positions where you were the thinking person. So in other words, quarterback, out. Middle linebacker called the signals, out. Safety, you set the secondary out. You know, anything that required is a, you know, center on offensive line out. We went through all of those things. And to finally see where we have them matching up against each other tells me the progress has been made. I, w- I hope in my lifetime this becomes a quote unquote non story. But we could have had this opportunity so many times before. But the NFL decided to, to reject that. <laughs> the game of football rejected that because somewhere looking down on this, and if you have to Google them, go ahead. The name's George Talaferro. The name's Willie Thrower. Okay. Eldridge Dickey. They're looking down and going, you know, I could have done a lot of this, but you guys said no. And that's where we are now. We're no longer saying no. <laughs> We're saying a lot of yes because people are having big-time success. So it means a ton. It absolutely means a ton. I don't think it'll be celebrated quite the same as Doug Williams. as when Doug, Doug won the first, because he was the first. Russell Wilson's won since then. 
Okay, so so we've had guys in the game, but never a matchup against each other. So it's a pretty cool storyline to go along with the Kelsey brothers playing against each other, Andy Reid having such a heavy hand on both teams, having been to a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, and of course we've done with Kansas City. A lot of great storylines in this one, but for me, none bigger than than Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty cool thing to see now. You mentioned a lot of incredible storylines coming into Sunday. Uh, one of them that I wonder if has been neutralized has been the rest versus rust um, debate that we've had with both these teams. One really had to claw their way against some tough teams. One, you know, as other opposing teammates have said, are lucky to be in the playoff yeah. um, in the Super Bowl. Do two weeks of rest and two weeks of prep and two weeks of quarterbacks getting healthy to a point of of, of starting on Sunday's game? Does that just kind of neutralize that and make it a non-factor? Not a non-win-a-lish, but, but less of a factor. But neither one of them will be 100%. It's going to take a lot longer than the two weeks. It'll be interesting to watch Jalen Hurts as the game goes along if the game stays tight. And it's really one of those things where both of them, he and Mahomes, and Mahomes with the ankle, see how it goes. But, you know, you expect him, listen, if he played with what he had last time, you have zero thoughts about him being affected this time, right? And he will be to an extent, but he knows how to play around it pretty well. But when you go and go inside and look at things, you, you think of Patrick Mahomes. Tell me if I'm wrong, okay? I need to, I need you guys to help me with this. Patrick Mahomes, big arm, big throws downfield. We see all those. Remember when Tyreek Hill was there, et cetera? We see those big throws downfield. The whole deal. The vast majority of his touchdown throws this year the ball traveled less than 10 yards in the air. Okay, so that's, as my friend Pat Hayden used to say when he was broadcasting games, that's counterintuitive, mm-hmm. all right? Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are known as a running football team. They will chew you up in the run game as the Giants, right? The, uh, the, the 49ers, they didn't run it quite as effectively, but still, they will beat you up in the run game, and we've seen it throughout the season. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, oh, Jalen Hurts runs the ball well. Jalen Hurts will push it downfield more. But since the shoulder injury, that is lessened. Okay? Mahomes was throwing it shorter, and they were going, you know, getting touchdowns anyway, even before the ankle injury, just because it was a new set of receivers, crop, you know, what they're doing, playing to the best, et cetera, et cetera. I'm eager to see if things change in this ballgame at all. Can Kansas City find a way to spring Marcos Valdez-Scantling for something big so they can open things up underneath more for Travis Kelsey, who will be guarded by at least two people on every pass play, and then Alish, Justin, and Charles will also be in the coverage. That's what he's <laughs> going to have to deal with come Sunday. All right, you flip it over to Jalen Hurts, the shoulder, will there be an effect as the game goes on to where he can't push it downfield as much as he would like to? Will they go ahead and try and attack more of that early? Because that's what Philadelphia does. They want to throw the ball early, come back, beat you up, and run game later. That's their MO. That's how they play. That's their analytics. I want to see how that plays out. Plus, you've got two big gaps in this game. You warm up, you've got a long time before you go on the field and play because it's a big pregame. And then halftime is normally a 12, 13-minute deal in the regular season. It's around 30 minutes in, in this one. How will Mahomes' ankle respond to that? How will Hurts' shoulder respond to that? that those would be big keys in this game.
Yeah, those are X factors for sure. But I, I kind of find it hard to believe that both quarterbacks won't be pretty healthy. Like we saw, yeah. you know, what did we see? An 85% Patrick Mahomes maybe two weeks ago. That's an extra two weeks to heal that ankle uh, to make sure that you can put it in its best position to succeed. So I don't expect him to be limited. And that's part of the game plan, as you mentioned, uh, quick passes and, uh, and to get the ball out of his hands early, which seems imperative given the strength of the defensive line for the Eagles. If you were to pinpoint one X factor on the field, whether it be someone who has to deal with Travis Kelsey or someone who's going to be rushing Patrick Mahomes. Who who's who stands out as someone who can be a difference maker in this game for you? For Philadelphia, guarding Kelsey, you've got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Avante Maddox. I think a lot of responsibility will fall on them because you really want more defensive backs than linebackers. They'll just destroy linebackers. But they will have to stay with him on the second and third reactions of Patrick Mahomes because he'll move around enough that, hey, you don't get him on the first first cut. If Mahomes moves, Kelsey knows how to move with him, and that's where people lose Kelsey a lot. You get him guarded, and then all of a sudden you lose him. Second, third reaction, now he's open, and you're frustrated. That'll be big. Flip it over. Chris Jones is the wrecker for Kansas City, and Frank Clark is back playing to the top level. He always plays well in the playoffs. But they can only be effective if Philadelphia is in third long situation, if they're not running the ball successfully, if they're not getting the yardage they need on first and second down. Then Chris Jones and Frank Clark can have an effect. If not, if they're in short yardage situations all game long, I think Philadelphia controls the line of scrimmage, best offensive line of football. Kansas City built to play with a lead and chase the quarterback. I don't know that they're built to play quite as well if you stand in there and slug in the running game. They did okay with Cincinnati, but Cincinnati wasn't totally committed to running it. Philadelphia has an all-out commitment to running it, especially once they get a lead. So that's what I think is going to be a key. A couple, a couple quick keys in this one. Charles, last one before you let you go. Um, Rihanna. Excited for the Super Bowl yeah. halftime show. Is there a song that you just can't wait to bop along to? <laughs> you, you, you know, it's funny, it's funny you ask that, English. It's not so much that as much as an appreciation of, you know, at one point, LL Cool J rap, don't call to come back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rihanna's been off the scene for a little while now. Mm-hmm. She, she had a baby with ASAP Rocky. She's been a mom. She has been out of performing. And she's talked about that a little bit, like, whoa, I'm back, I'm back in the arena here. And they say she's been putting in the time to get ready for this one. It's kind of cool to see Rihanna making her comeback, even though we don't think of her as actually being away from the scene. Take a look. Mm-hmm. Go back in and see when was the last time she dropped an album, when was the last time you saw her tour, when was all these things going on. And I see her as a champion, a proud person who's overcome so many things, including Chris Brown and his horrific acts against her. And why anybody would, would pay a dime for Chris Brown for anything that he does is beyond me. Just a horrible, horrible person. But to see her triumph over all of that and to come back here at the Super Bowl, for me, that's kind of the cool thing for me. I, you know, we always talk about players doing it. Mm-hmm. How about Rihanna making her come back and, and going out on the biggest stage that there could be and doing her thing? And I don't know what any, what any prop bets there are on Rihanna. <laughs> Uh, my guess, my guess is the prop bets are on who might show up with her, mm-hmm. and that could that could be the real cool thing. Like who will be the surprise guest that pops up on stage with her? But I don't care about them. I just care about her being out there triumphing.
Oh, there's so much excitement coming into Sunday, including that. We have a um, a prop sheet, like a little form that you can fill it. I don't know if you're allowed to, yeah. but I'll send it to you, all right? Maybe you can play along with us. And and there's some right, Rihanna that, questions that, 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 in it. <laughs> that, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I'm able to do without losing my job. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that sounds fantastic. I am looking forward to it, and, and I think we will see a few surprises along the way, which will be fun, because we always do it mm-hmm. these things, right? Like, you know, what was it, Coldplay out in, uh, in uh, Santa Clara? Mm. And then all of a sudden there's Beyonce and her crew. It's pretty you cool. Know? I'm right, Shakira and, and, and J Lo, and then all of a sudden you look up and there's Bad Bunny on stage. You know, so you just never know what you're going to get in all of this. And let's face it, the hologram of uh, of Prince mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, hard to beat that one. You know, really hard to beat that one. Even though his live performance in the previous Super Bowl in the rain will always rank as one of the all timers. Lots to look forward to, Charles. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Have a great call, um, NFL Films International, and uh, hopefully we get to chat afterwards. Yeah, I look forward to that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I get to do it with Iron Eagle. Ooh, which is really amazing. Cool. I get to do it with my partner. Yeah, last year with Kevin Burkhart, but Kevin's left me for bigger, bigger, <laughs> uh, a so called bigger game this week. So more power to him, and I am so excited for him. There's no one better than Kevin Burkhart. He and Greg Olson will rip it up. Well, have a great one, Charles. Can't wait to hear it. And uh, enjoy everything. Enjoy Rihanna and the whole show. All right. You guys do the same. Thanks a lot. You take care of yourselves. As Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst, BFF and insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Wonder if he's got any scoops there hanging around he's the like, stadium. There might be some guests. Rihanna like, soundtrack, <clears throat> sound uh, check. Yeah, yeah, sound check is the correct correct term. Uh, wonder if he's heard anything. That would I be still a, want to be able to be... bet against. I want to bet against Drake being there. I think you can. No, just it's just right one. Book. I think it's just a one way line. I think mm. it's just like, will they be on stage? Yes. No. No option for no. No, I don't think he'll be there. Maybe that's why. I don't think so either. Not you see, you put down a quite a few bets yesterday on the Super Bowl. He put down a lot. If you're an of Eagles money. fan, you might be happy with the with the side he went on. Just saying. Big time. Um, all right, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum yum yum. Elliot Friedman dropping some insider knowledge this morning. I was going to say I haven't. Li- I didn't hear this. This has but just this been put into my on. ear from okay. Daniele. He said, play this clip. It's new. A <laughs> uh, new episode of 32 Thoughts podcast dropped this morning. Elliot talks about the Leafs being interested in Timo Meyer and lays out a path that might make it work contrary to maybe what we were thinking after hearing Kyle Dubas speak yesterday. I'm looking forward to this. Let's play it. One guy said to me that there are teams out there who think that Toronto, at the very least, has considered... Do we go get Meyer for this run and then sort it out later? Wow. Basically, punt <laughs> the decision to the summer mm-hmm. and say, all right, we bring him in. We see how this goes. We see who has a good playoff and who doesn't and figure this out in June. The only way I think you consider that if you're Toronto is that at the very least, if you can't keep him, you're flipping him for what you traded. Hmm. That's so interesting because I have some some quotes from Kyle Dubas yesterday, which basically laid out that they were not interested in possibly doing the big, big well, move. 
Well, Meyer's kind of the hybrid, and that's why he's one of the more interesting trade candidates mm-hmm. we've ever seen because he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season, meaning this is not a rental, yeah. but it's kind of a rental in that you thought you'd had to commit a lot of money to him that's after right. because he has a qualifying offer of $10 million. So he's this he's like a different breed when it comes to potential trade deadline Ooh, acquisitions. Boy. And there's a lot of merit to that. Like, if you can just go out in the summer and trade him, if you can't convince him to sign something in the, I don't know, seven, eight, nine million dollar range, like if you can't do that, then you can try to find a home for him. But maybe he's, maybe he falls in love with Toronto. We've seen players come here. Oh wow, look at this gym. Look at how we're treated. Look at all these look at things. This gym. They're they're pretty happy. Wow, this gym they're is pretty, amazing. Pretty happy with the amenities around here, Alish. So yeah, I feel like. That's a way where you can spend assets and try to make sure that you get something back in return, whether it's the player or whether it's the incoming assets in a deal later on. I actually think it's really smart, and there's no way, and as you mentioned, Dubas says, yeah, probably not doing a rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world because you have Boston this year and you have a great chance to win next year For as sure. well. You can't sink all, your, sink all your assets into this year when next year looms, but if Meyer is an option for this year and then maybe an option for next year, or you can recoup for next year and then trade those assets again. That's the way you fill up both buckets. And I think filling both buckets, most important thing to do this. Perfect tee up to what we're going to talk about on the other side of the break, which is some Leafs news, the Tarasenko deal that happened yesterday in the midst of the Raptors making no deals. Um, <laughs> sorry. Trying to move on from that. Um, we'll get there eventually. And how all of this might affect the Eastern Conference especially, but what the Leafs might be interested in doing at the trade deadline. We're going to play some of those clips. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the leading option for... Songs to open the Super Bowl. This is open? Yes. I heard a rumor this was the close. Diamonds? This is Diamonds by Rihanna for podcast listeners. Sorry. It's Rihanna mm. Day. It's a I, good I, song. Wait, what's, uh, where are you finding these odds? I guess you got to tell me that. This is like <laughs> tell me that 55 bucks. I've been, I, I was searching diamonds on a few today. I was like, there's nothing, no diamonds. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm pulling it up right here, and the leading song is Diamonds plus 220. Don't Stop the Music plus 245. Diamonds to be the first song is minus 220? What will be Rihanna's first song performed during the Super Bowl? Maybe I heard wrong when I was listening I'm to someone talk about it. I'm not going to give free promo to a, I d- a uh, book. Yeah, I almost had you do but that. But that is a big book. And okay. then here's another big book. Don't Stop the Music first plus 150. Diamonds plus 800. Oh, got to go on this book. Uh, Nobody knows a thing, Justin. Hold on, hold on. We have, that is that is a mistake. We got to <laughs> rectify that. Go, go, go. Very soon. Okay. Very, very soon. Anyway, there's lots of bangers. That's all you got to know. And um, I do know the piece of information that she did release yesterday is that she's going to try to make this a very jam-packed, was the word she used, a jam-packed, which mm. means maybe you bet in the over on Rihanna songs at the halftime show. I believe that's included in your Super Bowl prop sheet, it which is. you should be definitely okay, let me, res- let me give grabbing. Okay, let me give it a boost. You should be getting yeah. it from either one of our social media feeds. I'll retweet it right now. You should be filling it out. And you got to do that before noon on Sunday 
because it's not just the Super Bowl. The Puppy Bowl is also included. So I believe that's an earlier start time. Mm-hmm. And in order to be eligible, <laughs> you need to have it in by 12 on Sunday. So don't do it when you arrive at the Super Bowl party. Do it no, before you late. get to your Super Bowl party. So it is a Google form, which you can go complete. And I just retweeted it again. You can do so as well, Justin. I will. And there are over 60 questions for you to complete. Mm-hmm. takes a little time, but it's worth it, okay? Hell yeah. You got to be ready for the Super Bowl. How else are you going to do that? We have over 120 responses so far. Nice. That's a lot of people that want to play along on the Fan Morning Show's first ever annual Super Bowl prop bet sheet. And uh, we're going to continue to get you ready for the Super Bowl and oh, yeah. to fill out your prop sheet in the Wake and Rake today. We're going to have some guests in studio. We're going to have a few on the line. We're going to ask for their favorite props. We're going to give you our favorite props. Probably a pick for the game. We'll try and squeeze that in. We'll try and also get Friday's Wake and Rake selection. So a lot to do in the 8.30 block today. But we'll get some props uh, that we like off our chests. And that's a great opportunity to push the Wake and Rake submission, please, at 590-590. Because we do have Leafs and Raptors tonight. You can do a little Homer's parlay. The Leafs are back. God, it's been a while, eh? They play in Columbus tonight and against Columbus in Toronto tomorrow. A little home-and-home action. Um, They are back Ready to start this journey. Straight into meaningful games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) Right into the fire. Um, Yesterday, blockbuster during the NBA trade deadline with the New York Rangers trading for Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola, which is one of the best names to say in the NHL. It's a good one. And 50% retained from the Blues uh, for Sammy Blaze. Semi Blay. Hunter Skinner. Silent S. A 2023 first round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. And yes, Blues retaining 50% of Tarasenko's salary. He is in the final of an eight year contract with a $7.5 million cap hit. Will be a free agent this offseason and has had some injury concerns, but isn't having the best season with the Blues, but has the potential to go alongside Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. and light this place up. I love the move for the Rangers. I was really big on the Rangers this this preseason when we did like our predictions and teams we wanted to watch. And I think this is obviously going to not only help that a lot, but help this Eastern Conference team. That is another team that's taken a big swing on a marquee rental, obviously with Bo Horvat and the Islanders and now Tarasenko and the Rangers. Yeah, I think the expectation always was for the Rangers. And I think both of us bet it before the season. We liked the Rangers because, hey, they were always going to add something. And I think the <laughs> expectation was, hey, they're going to go get Patrick Kane and that'll be great. And Patrick Kane will lift them to uh, new heights and they'll get past the Eastern Conference final this time and they'll 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 make it happen with Patrick Kane. I don't think Tarasenko is quite the player. He's the healthier player, though. Mm-hmm. At least it seems based on what we've seen this season. Tarasenko, but he needs can someone to elevate goals, with him as well. And I think he fits into it's that Panarin. into that situation perfectly. I don't think they're giving up much. They're also getting Mikola to put on their back end. So I think the Rangers do pretty well. And of course, with any you know early trade in the lead up to the deadline, it's instructive, right? We know what the market prices are. We know kind of what it's going to cost to get a rental. The Horvat deal was pretty substantial. But it's different in that, well, they kept Bo Horvat around. And they probably were always going to keep him around, even if the ink wasn't set yet on the mm-hmm. contract. So I think in order to get involved, you got to send a first-round pick out there or a premium prospect. 
And if you're going to do that, you might be able to get them to retain 50%. And retention is very, very important for pretty much any team that thinks they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year because, as we know, all these teams are up against the salary cap. So it's probably most instructive with Ryan O'Reilly because we know exactly what the St. Louis Blues are thinking right now, which is that they are doing what Masai Ujiri refuses to do and wants to look to the future and make sure that they can rebuild once again. So adding a second first-round draft pick, maybe they can add a third through Ryan O'Reilly. It looks like Doug Armstrong's open for business and willing to retain money, which is very, very important. So St. Louis Blues might be these sellers. And if you're a Leaf fan and you can get Ryan O'Reilly at half price for a Mm first-round pick, I'd be interested in that. Well, it's certainly instructive that it looks like the Blues are ready to, unfortunately, if you're a Blues fan, kind of wave the white flag this time around. But yes, both of those early trades before the trade deadline have started with a 2023 first round pick. Yep. So if we're setting the market at that, you got to be prepared to maybe meet it. Um, yesterday, Dubis spoke with the media for the first time since November. We saw more Dubis than Bobby Webster on the NBA trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, there's a couple of really important quotes that I want to play here. Um, he was asked about the needs of the trade deadline. He was asked about Matthew Nyes, the hot topic that everybody wants to know what the future of is, um, and negotiating with impending free agents and what price they might be willing to pay for a rental. Okay. So let's start with... The impending free agents, because there are some that we just mentioned, and the Leafs, he was asked directly about what they might be willing and willing not to do to pay for one of those. I don't necessarily put any emphasis on that, Kevin. I think we, with where we're at, I think we're going to the year, we've got a lot of cap flexibility, and, and um, I think we, we, we want to see what, uh, what the rest of the year brings before we, before we commit to anything necessarily. And I think we've got great relationships with all those, all those players and, and their representatives, and they know, what, uh, they know very clearly where we're at and, and us with them. That was not the quote that I thought, my bad, because he's talking about his own pending free agents, right? Yeah, I wasn't clear on that. Yeah, my bad. Um, I was going to play, and I I should have communicated that better with Josh. Sorry, my bad. About um, on rentals. So, this is, I don't know if we have that clip. I'll just play it. Um, In regards to rentals, if they'd be willing to part with prospects or first round picks, which is what Dubas was asked about, for a player on an expiring contract, quote, I can't see that happening. But with regards to other options, I don't think you say no off the hop to anything, but those are very important pieces to us now and in the future. So if he's willing to part with a prospect or a first-round pick for a player on an expiring contract pending UFA, that's where yeah. that the confusion came from. Sorry. I mean, I think that... I, I Again, I see I see Matthew... It's the Matthew Nyes discussion, right? If we're just, like, going to yes. see through things or, or try to, like, uh, you know, just put, put a face to the name or a face to the category of player, it's Matthew Nyes. Um, and I think it's important to distinguish because listen, they've been, they've been willing to get rid of first round picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they willing, they gave one away to get rid of Peter Morazic. Like they, they have found a way I wouldn't say to get by. I think it has hurt like their ability to bring impact players up. I don't think they've spent a first round pick in a, in a long time. It was Timothy Lilligan, the last one, like they haven't been in the market for first round picks, both because they've made mistakes and because they've been willing to take chances on rentals coming in, but you need to support the current roster somehow. And I think they believe Matthew Nyes is going to be able to do that. A first round pick taken what 28th overall in 
2023 is probably not going to help you until what 2026 at the earliest. Like it's probably going to be a little while. So I think they, they feel that their window is now that they've got to make hay now. And for that reason, I think a 2023 first should probably be on the board, but someone who's ready and just about to make the leap to the NHL, probably not an option for a rental, but probably an option I would expect for someone who can stick around for longer than just one year, because it's all about maximizing this window and whether it's nice or an incoming player for nice, they've got to be around for multiple years. Well, I think this just helps for instruction for Leaf fans and media when every single conversation we've had about what's going to happen to trade Island is like, are you willing to give up Nyes for X player? Are you willing to give up Nyes and a first for X player? But the feeling is that they're very hesitant on that, which should mm-hmm. make you also think about, well, what are you where are you able to get then if you're holding your cards that close to your chest, right? If things are going for first-round picks, is he better than a first-round pick? Matthew Nyes? Right uh, now? I think, I think where they're currently slotted, I would say. Yeah, yeah so maybe a team wants that instead. And that's interesting. And I think it leads us back to the Timo Meyer discussion, which we mm-hmm. began talking about before the break and Elliot Friedman suggesting that he had heard, and I don't want to misquote him, but because we, we did play it, but that the Leafs may be involved in the Timo Meyer discussion and they may be involved in that discussion because he isn't a rental. So if you can trade Nyes in a package for Meyer and then trade Meyer this summer because he's a restricted free agent who's going to want a lot of money and is owed at least $10 million in 23-24, uh, maybe you could get Nyes back in return after. And you've done the evaluation if you're the Leafs on Nyes. You know this player better than any other team. So maybe you're kind of trying to create this aura where he is more than what he maybe really is. You're trying to speak. Well, the media certainly helps with exactly. that. Eh? Exactly. <laughs> Anytime you say, if you're asked, oh, we can't trade Nyes. We can't trade Nyes for uh, a rental. There's no chance we mm-hmm. could do that. You're telling every time you say that, the hockey world, that you got a pretty good prospect on your hands here and you should take notice. So maybe they could put Nyes into the system and pull something out of the system through Timo Meyer that you might be more happy with that maybe fits your roster better that may help you optimize your roster for 2023 2024 maybe a defenseman i'm not really sure but the meyer discussion is interesting because it's not a pure rental you're not lighting a first round pick on fire to use him it's not a catastrophe if you lose in the playoffs and he gives you absolutely nothing because he is an asset that can give you something in return this summer here is that quote um so you can hear it from dubis himself about Nice slash draft pick capital and how comfortable they are, if at all, to move that. Every single uh, trade discussion that we have, um, we're at the part uh, and where we're at as a franchise where you necessarily they don't can't necessarily say no to anything right off the right off the hop. Having said that, there are some some um, players and some uh, draft pick capital that we have that are extremely valuable that we that would be hard pressed to to move on from. Uh, you know. Not just the not just the uh, the one player you mentioned, but a, a whole group of prospects or younger players off our roster. So, um, you know, I, I think in regards to, to rentals, I, I I can't see that happening. But with regards to other options, I, I don't think um, you say no off the hop to anything. But those are very important pieces to us uh, for now and in the future. I mean, uh, of course, of course, I don't think he's wrong, and I don't think he's being dishonest in any way. Uh, but I think the rental market is more than just like heavy swings, right? It's more than just Patrick Kane. Uh, I think the rental market could include, well, Patrick Kane's teammate and Jonathan Tays, like lesser lights mm-hmm. or at least perceived lesser lights in the league right now. I think you, they have traded their second round pick, but there are other 
lesser or, or items of lesser value in terms of picks and prospects that you might be willing to trade for a future or for a rental uh, asset that could help you right now. And maybe you save those big, big assets, the nice, the first round pick for something that is a little bit more long-term, whether it be a player that can hang around on retention through next year, whether it is a player like a Timo Meyer who you do have some flexibility with. I do think they would be foolish to really, really burn the boats and trade everything for a player that might not fit in immediately and a player that won't be with this organization beyond June. A thousand percent. And he was asked about these big names, you know, not specifically in name, you know, O'Reilly, Meyer, Kane, but asked about the focus around the magnitude of some of these guys. And and he did say the larger focus is always on the bigger names, but we have to look at the people who improve us overall, not just the big names. So yeah, there's maybe harvesting some value in lesser splashy moves. That said, I would trade a first round pick for Ryan O'Reilly retained. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Um, Okay. A couple other pieces of Maple Leafs information that came out yesterday. Connor Timmons was locked up to an extension. Um, Two-year, $2.2 million extension, and kind of locks him in that seventh spot. At least have their seventh defenseman. There you go, buddy. That's a good thing. I think you can trust this guy as a guy who you want to roll out in regular season games. I don't know what it'll look like against heavy forecheck in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You might be a little bit reluctant to use that Blair in that situation, but uh, that's kind of the going rate for a seventh defenseman, and I I think that's what Connor Timmons slots in us. Matt Murray placed on IR. Thought me if you've heard that before. And but he's going through full workouts with the Maple yes. Leafs goaltending coach. But so that is a, an interesting wrinkle. Um, yeah. Duba said he's not overly concerned about Murray's ankle injury. The expect, expectation is that he'll miss at least two more weeks, though. Yeah, I'm and not he's over, resumed I'm not overly on concerned activities. about the ankle either. So Joe, it's Joe Wall season. Joseph Joe Wall, Wall season, getting called yeah. up. He's going to have a, a look at a run here. There's a back-to-back to start off the post-All-Star break stretch here. Um, as we said, home and away. So maybe we see Wall in one of those games. Also, Alex Steves was called up from the Marlies. He's been having a really great run here. Um, he's going to get an opportunity to try to find a spot in the lineup. And Pontus Holmberg as well called up from the Marlies. This was all yesterday. And big old Leafs news dump. It was right in the middle of everything else going on. And Austin Matthews was back at practice, participating in a non-contact capacity. Um, that's pretty good. Obviously, a knee injury, uh, and you're able to practice, even if it's non-contact, I think that's a positive sign. And Luke Fox said pencil him in for February 15th home date against the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, we're getting there. Just in time to have another chapter in that Kane Matthews. <laughs> Rivalry. Lots going on there. Uh, Lots going on in Toronto. But yes, let's start of a back-to-back here tonight. Uh, We have the game on Sportsnet 590. The fan, you can listen to that tonight. Puck drop is at 7 p.m. in Columbus. And an opportunity to start. It feels like a nice refresh. Like they've been off the ice for quite a while. We haven't even talked about them in quite a while. It's a nice refresh. Come back and see um, Samson offset. He's feeling good. He's feeling like a mental reset as well. So, I mean, that's kind of what you hope for after a long all-star break. But there could be a sluggish feeling too like i don't know how many days they've been on the ice for but sometimes it's hard to get back right into it you know after being <laughs> off for a while do you not agree it's like yeah. when you come back from christmas break and you you do the fan morning show and you're like what is the what what are we talking about here that was good histrionics on on your behalf there uh, no if you're gonna be sluggish uh the blue jackets on a back-to-back i mean back-to-back is kind of tough when you're when you're dealing with some sluggishness but this is not necessarily the most competitive roster. So the Leafs, even if they're about 75, 80%, it might be enough against the Blue Jackets. 
All right. Um, before we start our final hour of the week, we're going to give away tickets to Chris Stapleton one last time. Coming to bed stage this summer on August 17th with special guests Marcus King and Warren Treaty. Today's the last day that we're giving away tickets. And all you have to do is tune in right now and text to 590-590. Today's code word, was, which is parachute. Text parachute to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, 10 a.m. tickets go on sale at ticketmaster.ca. You can secure your tickets for the August 17th show, Chris Stapleton at Bud Stage, Parachute. You better sprint out of the studio today and get home so you can be ready for 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.ca. I've got the page loaded up. I'm in the queue. There you go. Okay. Ticketmaster better not let me down because I'm getting tickets today at 10 a.m. But you could also win them first with Parachute. So best of luck to you all. Will Lou joins us on the other side of the break. Buddy had a day yesterday. Two hours live on the Raptors show, making up, well, maybe 10 minutes, five minutes, maybe three minutes, uh, ding, 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 the buzzer went and nothing happened. Uh, We'll talk to Will about all of that, including the look ahead at the new Raptors future of Jakob Pertl and co, which starts tonight. This is it. Let's try to win some games. And then Wake and Rake at 8.30, we're doing our Super Bowl prop extravaganza joined by a few of our friends that are going to join us to give us their best pick for the weekend we'll do our final pick aside thank god and we'll tee up the super bowl on sunday that's all next on the fan morning show sportsnet 590 the fan